everybody, and welcome to Attendance Bias. I am your host, Brian Weinstein. Today is not a full episode of Attendance Bias because it's more of an announcement and then a request. And then, of course, one of my favorite tracks that I've seen live because I could not in good conscience ask you to listen to an episode of Attendance Bias without any fish music. But first, the announcement and the request. First and foremost, Attendance Bias is a true labor of love for me. I never expect to get any sort of monetary profit out of it, and that doesn't bother me in the least, not even for a second, because my priority now remains exactly the same as when I began this podcast during the early summer of 2020. I just want to meet people who have a good story about fish and who are eager to talk shop about the most unique live experience possible in our lifetime. Basically, I want to meet as many fans as I could and hear their best fish experiences. And along the way, over the last two years, I've reaped many unexpected benefits. And in terms of satisfaction, attendance bias has paid for itself a million times over. But like any other hobby or any other new venture, podcasting comes with its own costs. Without going into too much detail, I don't want to bore you, but a lot goes into the back end of producing an episode of Attendance Bias. Many of the services that I utilize run on a subscription basis, meaning that there is a monthly cost that makes it a somewhat expensive hobby. Unlike a hobby such as painting or playing the guitar, where there's a startup cost and then the rest of the cost is whatever you spend by choice, podcasting has a recurring cost on a monthly basis. And to be absolutely clear, I don't mind paying these costs. Attendance bias has been one of the most satisfying creative projects of my entire life. I would pay double the amount to do it if I had to. But two years later, after I started this, some of these services that I signed up for in 2020 have recently upped their subscription costs. And like a toll bridge or a Ticketmaster surcharge, once the price goes up, I think it's a pretty safe assumption that it's not going to come back down. So it's here where the request or the begging comes in. I signed up for a page on buymeacoffee.com to accept donations from listeners, and I'm asking you, if you enjoy Attendance Bias, to donate anything you can to help keep the lights on at this podcast. I didn't set a price point or a goal, because like I said, costs are part of the deal when creating something that people enjoy. I'm going to always pay whatever it gets to unless it becomes obscenely expensive, and for now it isn't. But... Now, some of those costs are rising for essential pieces of the podcast, and I could see the writing on the wall now. I would appreciate it. Any help that you could provide to offset the costs and make it financially easier for me to keep the show up to the standard that you deserve, I would have unending thanks if you could just help me offset that a little bit. Seeing as this is just me in my apartment, I don't foresee ever having advertisements on attendance bias. I'm not part of a larger podcasting network or company. It's just me and my dog recording and sometimes barking. Aside from the guest or the guests on each episode, this is a one-man show from start to finish. It begins and ends with me and the guest. So if you enjoy attendance bias and if you have the ability to donate even a small amount of money, please go to buymeacoffee.com slash attendance bias. The website is spelled exactly as it sounds, B-U-Y-M-E-A-C-O-F-F-E-E.com slash attendance bias. Once you visit there, there are options for how much you want to donate or how little you want to donate. And believe me, every cent is appreciated and it is all 100% going toward the operating costs of attendance bias.
I want to send out huge thanks to everyone who has already contributed, and thank you in advance to anybody who contributes in the future. Again, if I'm lucky enough to receive your contribution, the website is buymeacoffee.com slash attendance bias. Thank you a million times over. And like I said, this episode would be a huge waste if it were just me begging for your money. After the awesome April 2022 MSG run and before summer tour starts, I've been thinking about some of my favorite summer fish memories as the band returns to some of the best venues that they've ever played in the summer of 2022. One venue that I think we all wish they would return to is Randall's Island in New York City. In 2014, Fish played three nights at Randall's Island, from July 11th to July 13th. The three shows acted as something as kind of like a consolation festival that held us over between Super Bowl in 2011 and 2015's Magna Ball. The Randall's Island shows featured a Ferris wheel, beers from all five New York City boroughs, local food trucks, even a pop-up of Nectar Raris so that fans could take a picture with Nectar, not just of Nectar, and no joke, some of the cleanest porta potties I've ever seen at a fish show. Throw in the fact that it was the summertime in New York City with incredible weather, and the venue was accessible either by boat or by a footbridge, and you have summertime fish, an experience that is hard to match. See, the best night of the three, in my opinion, was the third night, the 13th. But something really great happened on night one. First of all, every weather app and news station predicted a short but huge burst of a rainstorm right as showtime approached. Sometime around 7 p.m., a giant swirl of nasty weather was forecasted to pass right over Randall's Island. I remember checking a new weather app that I downloaded recently at the time, and the radar showed one of those green and purple swirling eyeballs of death slowly moving toward the top of Manhattan. As it got closer to the band's actual stage time of 8 p.m., a slow and sudden miracle occurred. It simply didn't rain. The storm simply drifted northwest away from Randall's Island and closer to New Jersey. To paraphrase Donovan, who himself was paraphrasing a Buddhist teaching, first there is a rainstorm, then there is no rainstorm. Once the show started, the sky cleared and it was beautiful for all three nights. As I mentioned, Night 3 was my favorite, musically speaking, but Night 1 was also incredibly meaningful to me on a more personal level. You see, I went into the city with a small group of maybe four friends. Once we got to Randall's Island, we met up with a small handful more. And then some more friends of mine, who I didn't even know would be there, ran into us, and they stuck around with our group, Mike's side. By the time the first few songs were over, I found myself in a group of nearly 20 people, all of whom I knew from a different branch of my life experience. In a group of about 20, I was the common link between all of them. I was the degree of separation between any two. It made me feel wonderful that I could literally do a 360-degree turn at a fish show in a festival setting and be surrounded by good friends and close acquaintances. It was during the third song of that first show, Yamar, that I felt this huge burst of joy, a feeling like I was in exactly the right place at the right time, and that this weekend was going to be the best one of the summer. This Yamar wasn't at all the best jam of the weekend. That would be chalked as torture, into light, into tweezer from night three. And it wasn't even the best jam of this show. That would be bathtub gin that followed Yamar. But when the band sings, What a lovely day, at two minutes and twenty seconds after a surefire rainstorm that never came... 
It's a moment in time that would freeze and crystallize in my mind as a perfect time and place to be at a fish show. So please enjoy Yamar from July 11th, 2014 at Randall's Island in New York City. And again, if you have the ability to help with the operating costs of attendance bias, please visit buymeacoffee.com slash attendance bias. Thank you always so much for listening and enjoy. Yeah, no, you pop. My grand. 